going to share a little bit. Some stuff's been bubbling away just the last few weeks. Going to close the year off with what I've just felt is bubbling. Um, so let's just pray and just listen to what he's wanting to say to us at this time. So Lord, we just thank you. It really is a, a time of celebration in so many ways. Some beautiful announcements. The end of a big year. And Lord, in other ways, it's a time of great turmoil, continual transition, maybe loss for some families. Lord, this month is quite different from person to person, even all around the room. And I just pray that right now you would just hover over us and tuck us all in and settle our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the honour of being able to lift your name up corporately in the time that we've been able to do this afternoon. And we do thank you for all that we know that you've done and for all we don't know that you've done. We thank you that you're still mighty, that you're on the throne, that you're good, that your mighty right arm is not too short, that you're doing a good work, that you're already in our future. Lord, you've already entered into 2022 and it's good. And you're there and you're the way maker and you're the provider and that your grace will meet us as we step over that threshold, Lord, and that you've got some good things for every individual that's sitting here and for this church as a community and for this region. I just thank you that your heart has turned towards us and that you're amongst us. And we just thank you for your help this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I found the words to talk about this afternoon was called draw near. Draw near, draw near, draw near in a variety of different ways. Possibly the different points I could go into um, could have a whole sermon or study on their own. And a lot of what I might cover is not the first time for most of us here. It's stuff you're living, it's like preaching to the choir. I know this is a room full of people of faith. We're a group of endurers, um, of thankful people, of people who are involved in many amazing things, but still just wanted to cover it at a basic level, um, what I felt the, the Lord saying. Um, the first thing I felt Him inviting us to do is to draw near to what's called, I'm calling the gap. And I've been feeling, especially on a Sunday the last few weeks, that there's a mixture of joy and there's a mixture of pain for some when we get to the end of a year. It was a couple of Sundays ago, I felt it in particular in the worship. I'm like, I know some of this is my stuff, but I feel there's a lot in this family that it's a festive time, we're coming towards you know, a festive week, but actually it can be a painful time for some, especially where there's a spotlight that hovers over what's biological family. That can be an interesting time for some. And then for some, it's a spotlight that's hovering over another year of the promises of the Lord and not necessarily experiencing that breakthrough yet, even though there's been the enduring and the pressing in and the contending across this year and the believing for just one more year for some long season stuff to change. And just feeling that thing that can happen in December where we're getting to the end of another year and there's just, it's still the not yet, and there's still some stuff that's not moving. Does that make sense? So it is a season of joy for some. Some are looking forward to the weeks that we're in, but just talking about the gap. So what do you mean by the gap, Amy? I think some of what can be a bit painful about this festive season is some of us can have an ideal. An ideal is like an idea of what would be amazing. And we have an ideal of what families could look like when it comes to Christmas. How many of you have an ideal? That Christmas would be no one arguing or fighting or disconnected. Maybe a family member will contact you again for the first time in a very long time, or would even come. Maybe that your relationship or your marriage might not be disconnected. 
Your ideal would be maybe that someone who passed away this last year would be back at the table. Your ideal might be that your finances would be okay and that the job would be all right, that you could do Christmas as you'd want to. Your ideal would that you would be actually in a home and have things to set up. Is this making sense to some? We have a dream of what it could be and then the advertising and the movies and anyone else say a Hallmark Christmas movie fan like I am? It's still eagle watched on YouTube, but, but anyway. Um, but um, it's an ideal that we can have that can actually be part of what the painful season is about because the ideal can be here and where we're at, reality can be here. And God wants to invite us into the gap and the distance between it. Because for some people, the, the estranged son or daughter might still not be in touch in the next few weeks or still might not let go of the drugs or the alcohol. For some, the house is still up in the air, the finances are still up in the air, the relationship disconnection you live in in your marriage or lack thereof is still an ongoing thing. And in that gap, I just felt the Lord inviting you into the next thing, so draw near to that gap. Some of us have a habit or a coping mechanism of freezing when things get hard. So we're just gonna endure this a little bit and we're just going to stop and freeze and not get into actual intimacy with God about the pain because that would be getting near the heart. And we've just got to get through these few weeks. And some of you might've found that even the God time has dropped off a little bit the last couple of weeks. Some of that might be busyness or end of year things or lots of responsibility, but for some it's because the pain has begun. And I've just wondered if there's been that temptation to I'm just going to freeze and not go near my heart for a few weeks. And I've just wondered if it might be a handful of people, but that's what I've been tempted to do in my own life as well, in the not yet seasons and in the lack of breakthrough. And I just felt the Lord's invitation to move from that gap and acknowledge the gap and to draw near to that and to name it and to name our losses this year. Some people lost humans literally this year beautiful humans, some people lost dreams, some people lost jobs, to name those losses and to just all draw near to Him in this time. Another drawing near that I felt is then to draw near to Him. So to draw near to that gap and to name it and to um, say it even to friends or to others and to name our losses as part of the process of moving through. Part of the way of not getting stuck in grief is to name the, th the things, name the losses, say the things, get near to that gap. But number two, just feeling His invitation to draw near to Him. And that can be hard if some of you are in that place where the breakthrough hasn't happened yet in your relationship, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your job, in whatever it has been. For some of you, you've been contending in the same spot, in the same area for many, many years. Grief is a friend for some just for some, and that can be a grief in itself, that it it's still can be the same sum for a long period of time. Um, but he's encouraging us to draw near to him. In Isaiah 50 verse 10 in the ESV, it says, let him who walks in darkness, maybe the last couple of weeks that's been something you've been feeling, let him who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Trust and rely, trust and rely, trust and rely. And it can feel sometimes like a bit of trust has been broken when things are still not moving by the end of another year in particular areas. That can be where it really reveals where our trust is up to. 
Another version in the Passion Translation says, Are any of you groping around in the dark without light? Let him trust in the faithful name of Yahweh, in Jesus, and rely on his God. That trust and reliance, trust and reliance, trust and reliance. Uh, this might not be you. It might just be someone in your life hub. It might be someone you're journeying with. It might be someone you're discipling who's not even part of this community. But I'm just going to give you a few tools to put in your tool belt as we move through this. Is that all right? Going okay? Too deep, too quick? We're okay? <laughs> all right. Um, so one tool, I've spoken about it before, but it's one that I really feel is it a powerful tool of moving through the not yet season, still not changing, and to move through the grief and to move towards God is a tool called acceptance and to draw near to acceptance. You might have heard before in some grief teaching or an understanding of what grief is that acceptance is actually the last stage they encourage people to get to in processing grief. I, I was a non believer in a lot of acceptance for a while, in particular because of good reason, of focusing on, yeah, but God, I'm not accepting this situation. I'm not accepting this is my outcome. I'm not accepting this sickness. I'm not accepting this lack of breakthrough. And He's been promising and He's faithful. So why am I going to accept what I have? But the longer I've been in a, in a particular area of suffering and things not moving across the years, the Lord's just taken me on this whole road of understanding that suffering is just as biblical and scriptural and actually part of how the Lord moves and does a work in our life. It's all throughout the scripture. He did not go, oh yeah, but I don't want you to be ill and I don't want you to have this and I don't, so then rescue, pull out, pull out, pull out. If we look through any of the greats across the Bible, especially Old Testament, like Joseph didn't get rescued from his situation. He had to, there was purpose in the situation, there was purpose in the timing. Um, Moses, we can think of people in the New Testament, Paul, we can think of shipwrecks, we can think of sicknesses, Lazarus needed to die. There's just a whole bunch of things across the Word as we read it that actually um, a process of delay is part of what sometimes is then Him rescuing, Him bringing the breakthrough. He will bring the healing. He will bring the restoration. He will bring that sibling home, that child home. He will bring the marriage to, um, to re restoration. He will bring good health. He will bring good gifts to His children. But part of what the Kingdom is, is a journey of delay. And it's in that journey of delay where how we behave in the fire reveals who we are. Who we are in the fire is who we are. And the fire of delay has great purpose, has great place in our spiritual lives. We sell people short if we say, that, you know, come and just know who the Lord is and all your life gets better. It is a life of cost. It is a life of being laid down lovers. It is a life of taking up your cross daily. I die daily. But an area that's hard for any believer is when we get pushed beyond ourselves in areas of delay. And most Christians go through it at some point or for a very, very long time sometimes. And if you look through the Word, through the eyes of delay, you'll see in many cases, it took time for that breakthrough to happen. And God does His greatest work in that bit of delay. Are any of you battle a bit with delay when you're ordering something on your phone or sitting in a drive-through line or, you know, we've gotten better and better at, this should be quick, this should be fast, I should have this instantly, I can order this on Amazon and it gets delivered the next day at my house, different things like that. We've become a society that tries to avoid delay because it's really uncomfortable. And somehow just this kingdom thing has not caught up with it and it's not gotten on the bandwagon of this quick, instant society. It is as delayed as it ever really was. 
Some of the purpose of delay is the glorification of ourselves. I've just clocked off 20 years of a huge area of my life having not one single shift. And I've gone through some grief about that the last few weeks. And you know what I've been able to look at? I'm like, I have changed so much in 20 years. It's like the glorification and what he does in the not yet seasons and in the delay is a very purposeful, very slow, very individual, very careful, very beautiful thing. And I know it pinches and it hurts to not have different things have the breakthrough because it means we're in that fire until the thing shifts. And we're like, God, if you don't do this, we have no hope. And he's like, yes. But he uses the, the, the in-between, he uses the gap. He uses the waiting to do a work in us. A really great tool, not to speed up, but I guess to make the most of that waiting time and that delay is this thing called acceptance. And I've been learning that actually acceptance is allowing. It's allowing the, the Lord to do what He needs to do. And the more we can actually not be in, in fighting with the season we're in and not be fighting with not what hasn't got the breakthrough and there's a place for fighting. There's a place for war in the spirit. There's a place for contending for the breakthrough if that's the key. But if that's not, if this is not about war, if this is about enduring and if this is about sanctification and transformation, painful as it is, then the best way through is yielding. That's what acceptance is. It's your will, not mine. The Lord honours bowing. It's even if the thing doesn't um, um, change, thank you, Lord, that you're still acting. He doesn't stop acting in delay. He does a lot of his best work under the ground. And it reveals our trust. It reveals our belief or lack of belief. It reveals lots about us when things will not shift and the thing that's not shifting is hurting. All sorts of areas he's able to get into if we will give him access. If we will allow the king to come and do his thing while this thing is not moving. And to add that to our enduring and to add that to our prayer is to say, I allow you, which is kind of feels weird to tell the king of the universe, but the permission on our heart to him, to let him do his thing, though he slay me, yet I will praise him, as the scripture says. It's the deep allowance. And allowance and yielding and acceptance of the season we're in is different to acquiescence. To acquiesce is to just be apathetic and to give up and to just give over to this thing winning. We're not acquiescing to sickness. We're not acquiescing to lack of breakthrough. We're not giving over to the enemy. But in the fight and in the believing and in the trusting for us to lean into allowing and yielding your will above mine, your will above mine, to be able to say to him, and if not, you are still good. That's where he does a deep, deep work in us because our belief then takes a deeper and deeper root. And it can be a temptation to look for the outcome to change, to determine whether God's on the throne or not. Instead of regardless of whether the outcome changes, he's on the throne and he's doing a good thing. I just can't see it. But though he slay me, I will yet praise him. And to allow him to do that work of glorification, to allow him to do the whatever he's doing. That permission giving is so precious and powerful and it's sweet worship to him. Some of us can't even say the words. Some of my allowing and my yielding has been with no words. 
Sometimes I haven't been able to put worship music on because it's too painful to sing along to it, but I'll sing the words in my heart. Whatever it looks like, sometimes it just looks like posture and you just yield to this thing. But that's different to giving your power over to it and acquiescing. It's yielding to not my will, but yours be done. Does that make sense? And I feel him inviting us to finish this year bowing to his timing. And that's different to acquiescence and yielding to whatever he is doing. In my just clocking off these 20 years, I'm like, and the anger has come up. And then I just, this deeper idea came up. That's a better idea than anger. And I just felt this invitation, which is another thing I wanna talk about, is drawing near to gratitude. And I've just felt, I'm gonna do a 20 year inventory on all the Lord has done in my life. And I'm gonna map it out and I'm gonna journal it. And it might take me a couple of years into the new year, but along with the allowance and along with the yielding, there's that invitation to, um, for gratitude and to draw near to gratitude, to find gratitude, to move towards gratitude. That, might, that, that sometimes takes coming out of the sucky thing we're in and getting into a heavenly perspective and going, I'm going to look for where he's active. I, I can't see this thing shifting, so to me that looks like inactivity, but I'm going to look for where he's active and I'm gonna start praising what he has done. I'm telling you, we are really a blessed people in so many ways and in this land. And if we just start with that, that, that we have breath in our lungs, that we are here, that we're in Australia and just start there. But even if it's been a three-year thing, it's been a 40-year thing, I would be mapping out what he has done and let that speak back to your heart and prophesy that into your situation that he can do more things like that as we keep going forward, however long the not yet season lasts. Does that make sense? So in the gratitude, in Ephesians 5.20, it says, sing and make music from your heart. Not if you're on the worship team, not just if you're on the worship team, not just if you love worshiping and not just if you actually can sing. This is to everybody. It says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything. Always is quite a big word, so is everything. I can imagine sometimes giving thanks for some things. That one's not too big a stretch for me. But if there's a always giving thanks for everything, then there's an invitation to draw near to thanksgiving and to gratitude, even in the not yet things, even in the family disconnection that might raise its head this next week, even in the losses of who's missing at the dinner table, even amongst the finances of what the festive season can look like, even if there's no job to go back to in the new year. We can thank him. We can thank him, even in advance. Isn't that a challenge? I know some people who've actually done a negativity fast for 21 days or for a month, or maybe you wanna try it for the first month of the year next year, and actually tell some people to keep you accountable to just do a negativity fast of anything where I'm, I'm prone to looking at what's lacking, missing, doesn't have breakthrough, hard, and bl a bit blamey maybe, but it's actually, I can only comment on what's working, what's good, um, and just to help us with these strongholds of thought to actually get into, and the Lord's moving there, and I'm grateful for this, and to actually start becoming a people of gratefulness. Anyone feeling a bit of a challenge there? 
What would it look like to fast the negativity and to be okay with that invitation of only grateful? Can't speak about your partner negatively, can't speak about your children negatively, can't speak about the teacher you had this year negatively, can't speak about yourself negatively. Good fast for some. Can't speak about me negatively. Nah, 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 just jokes. But um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's a challenge for some of us with that. And instead of that negativity, there's that re-invitation to draw near to hope. So hope is the thing that where hope deferred makes the heart sick. We can get to the end of a year and in particular areas where there's no breakthrough, we can get what's called hope deferred. Where it says when there's a tree of, it's a tree of life when we have breakthrough in an area. And we all know those times. If you've got breakthrough in an area, it really is, you know, when you have something that has a breakthrough, it's a tree of life. But what do we do when it's the not yet season and we've got to do another year of big things, of major health things, of major financial things, of major relationship things, we draw near to hope again. And we get up again and we're going to do this again, aren't we? This is a room of endurers and we can do it again. I know you can do it again. Um, and we draw near to hope. Romans 5.5 5 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So number one, that's an interesting sentence. We can rejoice when we run into trials. That comes to the gratitude thing. That would be interesting for us to get into that, for starters, that's only the first line. When we run into problems and trials, we know that they help us develop endurance. Well, why do we need endurance? Isn't that for an athlete? It says, endurance develops strength of character. So our character changes when we endure. We would have to have a season of delay for there to be the need for endurance or we wouldn't need endurance, would we? If we've got a trial that changes half an hour later, we don't need endurance. So this is actually referring to problems and trials that are ongoing, which is a biblical thing. It does happen. This is referring to delay. We know they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. When our character is strengthened, which might take some years, uh, then we have a confident hope. It's like once the character building happens and we start moving into that strength of nature because the delay keeps going, we become people of hope. What these sentences are suggesting is that we're not necessarily people of hope from the beginning. So if you're someone who struggles with hope and it goes up and down, that's okay. I don't think we can just be completely hope-filled once the delay keeps going. It actually means we need endurance instead. The character just is formed in that sanctification process, which then builds some hope. So it's okay if our hope keeps waning, but we need to get to the point where the hope is our constant, regardless of what we can see, where we become people of hope. So if there's some hope deferred that's going on for anyone, we can get alongside you. You can do this. Let's just get back to enduring. Don't freak out that you've lost your hope. Just focus on choosing the endurance and the hope will continue to strengthen as that character is formed in the endurance. And then there's a guarantee that comes about hope. It says, hope will not disappoint. That's a promise, by the way. Hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know that God dearly loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit, he loves us. It's telling us the hope will not disappoint. We can, we can hold that to the Lord because that's the guarantee. 
So we can get to hope deferred, but we learn that hope does not disappoint in the end. And the breakthrough comes. For so many of you, you've never been so close to the breakthroughs. You've never been this close. And every issue has a due date. You know the due date that's stamped on food? An end date? There's a date. There's a heavenly date when it comes to some of our breakthroughs. And um, some of you have never been so close. Just keep that enduring going and hold on to hope. How are we going? Cool. Keep that in your pocket for your friends who might be in this situation. Another invitation from him as far as drawing near to hope is actually to draw near to the word, to draw near to the person of truth, him, to draw near to the promises, which are completely packed, where the word is completely packed of. Some of us are getting a little bit anemic, a little bit weak, a little bit like someone who lives on marshmallows and hot chocolate for two years when it comes to the word. Because when it actually comes to what we believe, we are believers, we actually need to be filling it with the juice of the word all the time. We need to be filling it with the juice. We need to be meeting as a complete church. Often we need to be singing collectively as well as we're at home. And if we're not eating it, we will be wondering what's going on when we're kind of like a reed that's floppy. We are, it's just designed to be that way. Some of us might eat a meal because we're hungry and the hunger directs us to go and eat that meal. And to the point where we start to get angry or frustrated, like we're like, I'm now starving, which is kind of a, some of us have no idea how, what starving actually is. But we, we, we ensure that need is met because we heard a signal of hunger. At other times, it's not that it's hunger, it's the middle of the day or it's breakfast, or it's dinner time. Kids, it's dinner time. It's not necessarily that there was people telling you they're hungry. It's just, this is what we do. But without those rhythms of meals or choosing to go out of hunger, we would die, literally. And people do. But it's actually the same spiritually. It's just, we don't always notice it because we're like, but I'm doing the practical eating, I'm breathing air, I'm drinking water, I'm alive. And some of us have moved away from the kind of power and the supply that is out there when it comes to the word. And we're over here a bit anemic. And what can happen is we get into the land of comfortability and we can use a bit of false refuges and different things to get us through and we can fall asleep. Remember in Revelations 3 where it talks about um, the church of Laodicea and how they, they sort of became lukewarm. And, and, and remember how it says that the, the opposite of being hot when it comes to connection with the Lord is, isn't cold. That's not the problem. What's the worst thing? Lukewarm. That's the danger. The danger for anyone who has a relationship with the Lord is lukewarmness, which is where we're just getting through, living in defence, rather than offense. Just living in survival mode, responding to this is the next Sunday that's coming up, so I will be there or not. This is the next team I'm, I'm helping, so now I will get involved while I'm on and then I'm back off shift. This is the next life I'm gathering, I'll, I'll go. And life kind of leads us and these problems arriving, and we're putting out fires and we can live a bit in survival mode instead of leaning forward and actually living intentionally in offense where actually we, we go into our week choosing to eat the Word, choosing to be worshipping, choosing to be speaking in tongues at different times in the day, choosing who we're intentionally connecting with and doing it powerfully 
and knowing who he is because we're on the juice, we're on the good stuff, we're fresh for ourselves. And then we can do things that cost us. We can be involved in costly relationships or ministry things and it doesn't tire in the same way because we're not just dragged into things and then going back to the comfortable numbness. Um, it's, really, it's a really dangerous goal to be comfortable as a Christian. The two words don't go together. They just don't. I'm sure Jesus would have preferred it, but it just doesn't. It's a, you're being sold short if you believe that this is comfortable. But we can become comfortable. It's called lukewarm. Because when we're not lukewarm and we're actually living intentionally and we're leaning forward, it's a cost to, to ensure that, that, that the Word of God is injected into our day. It actually takes effort. A tip can just be leaving your Bible sitting on the kitchen bench or a post-it on your washing machine. Speak in tongues just while you're changing the load or in your car, pray for two people while you drive. Just remind us to keep us leaning forward in, in, in an investment. But for some of us, when it comes to the Word, we don't know all of the truth of who He is because we're not ingesting it. And so when trials hit, we become really floppy. And that's when the false refuges and the, you know, the things or even leaning into humans a lot for that kind of comfort or let me lean on your juice. You seem to eat meat most days. Do you have a word for me or can you help me or can you pray for me? And for some of us, we need to keep moving from the milk to the meat ourselves and to get into the word. And there's an invitation this next year to just draw near to the word, draw near to the person of truth, draw near to the truth because it, it sustains us and it strengthens us so that we can be endurers. Does that make sense? When we're in defense and we're, we're a bit asleep spiritually and we just find we're in situations we have to be dragged through, <laughs> but to actually have your eyes open and have a vision for your own life and a vision for this place and a vision for what he's doing around here takes intentionality. For some, we're just grinding to a halt at the end of this year and it's like, all I need to do is just blank out and be flatline for a few weeks. Okay, if you need to stop for a bit. But what could it look like to take some time in January to actually lean forward into the year? What could it look like to even fast for a patch in January? Maybe just the first week, maybe the whole month, maybe a fortnight. I'm feeling that call, but don't go, well, I don't feel the call, so I won't. I feel the call because I was in a conversation with a friend who's doing it, and I was like, yeah, I'm not leaning forward at all. What would it look like to actually have some vision that we have invested in and to lean forward into next year and to actually wake up and to be ingesting the word and to actually take responsibility for this spiritual walk that we're on? It, it helps with the not yet season. It helps with the delay when you're reading truth because then you're sitting in a higher place the whole time that earth's not changing, but we're actually looking from a heavenly perspective when we're connecting with God and when we're in the Word and when we're worshiping. And it just helps to look at things from His perspective rather than from what we're battling with down here. Does that make sense? When it comes to His promises, in Psalm 89, verse 34, this is such a powerful, precious, line that he says to us, I will not violate my covenant, my promise, or alter the word that went forth from my lips. 
And for some of you, that is a little nugget of gold to slip into your heart about the not yet season, the lack of breakthrough in relationships or finances or dreams or the spiritual battle you've been in or whatever it is. If he has spoken a promise into that area, which we'd hear more of if we read the word ourselves, um, he says, I will not violate that promise to you or alter the word. He's not even going, I didn't even mean that really. I'm just gonna, this will now eventuate. He's like, no, my original promise is still as big as it stands. We need to get nearer those promises. I got one out that was a really big one from 20 years ago and I found in my box in my garage. It's now next to my bed. We need to reread the things that he said to us in the not yet seasons. This scripture in Psalm is referring to Joseph. Um, in Psalm 105, 19, it says, until the time that his word of prophecy regarding his brothers, remember the dream of the brothers bowing down to him, until the time that that came to pass, the word of the Lord tested and refined him. That's what a promise does. It tests us because it keeps holding us to this heavenly perspective when our earthly experience is actually quite different. And until the time when the thing comes to pass, this is what I was referring to at the beginning of the sanctification, the glorification, the promises test us. The actual words themselves that he's given us about our health, about our family, um, they test us. But he doesn't change. The promises are still true. So in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us hold fast, that means really strongly, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. This is for less negative people. This one's not saying, let us hold fast to hope. This one's saying, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. That means, have any of us lost our confession of hope, even if we still have some hope? What are we confessing is the actual truth. What we're experiencing on earth or what His promises are. Hold fast to confessing what the truth is without wavering. That's quite a challenge for some of us. For He who promised is faithful. Hold fast to the confession of the hope. For He who promised is faithful. feel another thing that he's inviting us into is drawing near to each other. That's in particular as this church, as this community. Um, we've gone through a big worldwide change, 2020, 2021. It's impacted most areas of society. It's definitely impacted church. It, what it actually has done is impacted a lot of church involvement and attendance because some people have lost their hope. Some people have walked away. For some people, they've learned my gosh, I can just not attend on a Sunday at all or home group things or worship or anything and I still remain a Christian. Whoa. Before then, it was the, the shoulds and, and this culture and of course, this is what we do when we're Christian and then the world changed. We couldn't meet together and now I'm like, I still have a relationship with God and I can stay at home. Actually, I'll just follow the best preachers in the world online because we don't need to follow the paradox ones. There's even better ones and they're online. I can do that instead and I can have the better worship from that country and I'll have that on and the better podcasts. My feeding ground just got all the more better and, and I just get to do that from home. That can be a real temptation. I don't think this is the first time it's ever happened. 
even in the scriptures in the Bible, and I'm not saying this in some controlling kind of way, but it just says in Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of Jesus's return drawing near. Let us consider means intentionally plan in your head how to encourage people that are in this community, one another. Intentionally spend time thinking of how to encourage people in their faith, in the walk. And not neglecting, do not neglect meeting together. There is a type of blessing that comes when the saints worship together, not just worshiping at home. A different thing happens. A different thing happens regionally. A different thing happens, like it's not all about us. It doesn't even mean that we get breakthrough in our personal lives necessarily because we came and we praised Him for an hour. But when He is lifted high, lots of stuff happens. Regional stuff happens. We don't know all that He does. But what the necessity is that a body comes together that calls themselves a family and they do not give up meeting together. And we've gotten a little bit into that cancel culture that's gone worldwide easily because we just learnt, actually, I can become a comfortable Christian or I can become a comfortable worker. I can become a comfortable friend because everything can be from home. And remember, comfortable is a really, really dangerous ground for a Christian. If we have got a whole bunch of things set up financially, food-wise, uh, routine-wise, timetable-wise, to with the goal of comfortable, check the timetable, check the TV, check what we pay for, check the bank, and see which ones of these line up with cost, costing ourselves, dying to self, carrying our cross daily, reaching the world, and which ones line up with comfortable. And if, if we've if we got our focus on whatever's comfortable, we're becoming easily lukewarm. It's got to be a life that costs us. It's got to be Sunday's cost, and I'm doing it for my brother and sister. If I don't show up, the difference happens. I'm going to cost myself. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like reaching out to someone in my life hub and checking on them. I don't feel like interceding for that person, especially through the night. I don't feel like sitting in ED with someone the whole night. I don't feel like paying that kind of money. I don't feel like helping. I don't feel like buying groceries for me and for someone else that is in need. I don't feel like buying all those presents for, for the children in Rockingham with the crew. I don't feel like serving there. I don't feel like anything. We're probably never gonna feel like anything that comes with being Christian because it's a life of cost. I don't think Jesus felt like going to the cross. He did the acceptance thing in Gethsemane. That prayer in Gethsemane is the, is the acceptance one. I don't want to, but not my will, but yours be done. He shows what the acceptance of the cost is. And just to remind us as we go into this next year to, to just keep expecting that this is gonna cost us, that being in this community is gonna cost you, that being a Christian actually costs you everything. It's the laying down of our life and daily. We pick up our cross daily. And some of us need to reframe, what does my life look like if I choose to live a life of cost? It's scary to help pray for someone who's obviously very sick or demonised or, or completely poor 
But if, if we're not putting ourselves out there and going, but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna get my hands dirty. I'm just gonna get involved in chaos and mess. The world needs Jesus. But if we're Christians are comfortable, the enemy doesn't have to do anything because he's like, they're not gonna go out to all the world and share the gospel because they're comfortable. It's so easy for him. He doesn't even have to help. He just gets us lukewarm and comfortable. And there's no impact. But the only way we're gonna take this, this nation, this region for the kingdom and bring the hope and the good news and for families to turn around and kids to come home and, and sickness to stop and, and for this place to look like kingdom is gonna cost us everything. This community is gonna be uncomfortable this next year because we're moving back to being on mission for the Lord, praying for the sick, raising the dead, helping with the demonized, the poor. We're gonna have them on our property. They're gonna be ours. Life hubs are gonna be uncomfortable. Nothing's going to be comfortable because we're gonna get back towards obedience and not lukewarmness. The worship might not be, un be comfortable, nothing. But we've got to get to that point where every day we choose to pick up our cross. And all that's required for us to be able to do that. And for us to be able to do that, it's gonna require us being in the Word because we need that in order to carry our cross. We need the anchor of Him. We need His truth. We need His strength. We need to be dependent. We need to do hard things. And some of us don't do, do a life of doing hard things, but we feel everything's hard. That just came out. <laughs> we, life's hard, but do we do hard things? Because that's when things change. Draw near to each other. Do not give up being back. Like I'm going to be there on Sundays and live hub gatherings and, and whatever else is going on. I'm gonna do a half a day, a fortnight, helping paint furniture so we can get the girls living on property. I'm gonna drive the ute for the crew, half a day, a fortnight. Just I'm going to do something hard. I'm gonna get up half an hour earlier and pray because that can be really hard for some of us. <laughs> I didn't get the blessing of the morning person anointing. But it, I know most of my family got it. But we need to get back into the offense and not defense. Was that the right way around? Right way around. I'm gonna skip to the last one. We need to draw near to vision. So I know some of us have been hovering in the pain of what's not broken through yet in regard to Christmas coming, New Year coming. But are we entering this next year with any sense of vision? The scripture says without vision, the people perish. It's just a thing. We're designed that way. If we don't have vision, we will perish. Some of us are like, I'm perishing. I am perishing in this job, perishing in this family, perishing as a parent, perishing with my house, perishing with my finances. Sometimes it's lack of vision. Have you got a vision for your family? Or are you just rolling with the punches in survival mode and just making sure at least everyone was fed today, which sometimes is just all one can do. But have we got a vision for our family? Or are we just making sure everyone survives? If you had to be asked, what's your vision for your kids or your family, do you, is there one bubbling? As in this next year, what's your vision for your family in 2022? Do you have a vision for your finances? You know that thing where there's a target and there's arrow and you do the bow and arrow thing and you hit the target? It's supposed to be ready, aim, fire.
fire and it's supposed to go to where you want to go in the little circles. For some of us, we're like, yeah, ready, yeah, ready, fire, aim, yeah, it landed there. That's what, I was, that's what I was aiming for, it landed there. And we've got it the other way around because if we don't aim at anything, wherever it lands is right. And so in our Christian walk and in our relationships and in our finances, we're perishing. This is an arrow over here. Wow. It's like, where did you aim it? We are designed to be people of vision. Do you have a vision for your health? Do you have a vision for your finances? Do you have a vision for your relationships? Because then we'd be problem solving of what to do to get that, I'm going for that target. I'm not just going for 2022 with wherever it lands as, you know, we're gonna actually be here together in December next year, God willing, and we're gonna sit here. Don't let's do the year with the arrow landed somewhere, but at least we made it. Like, let's go into the year with a vision. Here's some questions. Am I going too strong? Is this too strong? So it happens when Ebony enters the building. The l- <laughs> she has that effect on all of us. Um, let me ask some questions when it comes to vision. Do you have a vision for any team you're part of in this church? Like, do you have a personal vision for the worship team you're on? No, I'm following someone else's, I think. I don't quite know what it is, but I rock up when it's my turn. Do you have a vision for the kids' ministry? Well, well, Vanessa tells us what to do. Uh, that's not what I'm asking. Do you have the vision? Do you have a vision for the hospitality and how it's gonna grow? And well, uh, Ruth will tell us what she wants next year. I'm not asking if Ruth has a vision. Do you have a vision for your life hub? Oh yeah, my life hub leader, I'm sure we'll have a plan at some stage in the year, they'll shoot an arrow in some direction. If you're a life hub leader, are you doing this holiday and next year going, the arrow's gonna end up somewhere and we'll be glad we made it. There it is. Or is it like, I have a vision for my family that we're shepherding. And if you're in a life hub, which almost all of us are, do you have your own vision for that life hub? Here's another one. Do you have a vision for this church? Yes, I I have a vision to follow where you're going, Amy. It's not, we don't use people here. We haven't gone, whew, we've got 80 people, 120 to serve our vision. We're a collective family, that's all we are. And where we're going has a lot to do with what vision is on your life and the gifts on your life, which we want to see flourish here. We don't wanna use you. Do you know the vision of this church? If you listened, there's been a bunch of sermons about it this year. Have you been tracking? Have you been following up when you're not here? Have you been praying into it too? Do you have a vision for this church? Lastly, really important, do you have a vision for this region? Because if you don't, next year's going to hurt. Because a third of us might be going after this region and serving the region. And then the others are like dragging along. It's another, it's like if you hadn't fallen in love with the Peel region or Rockingham in particular, which we feel is the region in particular that the Lord has put on our church as a mandate. If you don't have a personal vision for the Peel region or Rockingham or, you know, Beldivers, Perth, if you don't have a personal vision, like do you have a vision for your street? Do you have a plan and a vision? Do you see what I mean? Like if we actually, maybe I started this when without vision people perish and it wasn't like, I have vision. But if we're not actually able to say what your vision is for your street, how the street gonna know the Lord? 
Even if it's like every Saturday morning, I do a prayer walk. That's vision. Do you have a vision for Rockingham? Otherwise, a few of us are gonna be like, Does, can anyone help? Can anyone, like, we're gonna have to have a corporate vision for the Peel and Rockingham and Perth. It's got to be a shared vision. Do you have a vision for yourself? Do you have a vision for your growth and the things of the Lord? So I know it can be really hard to have vision when we've just finished another year that maybe you spent a little bit visionless or maybe the vision is soured because of the hope deferred that's so understandable. I've been hovering there for a few weeks with lots of tears. But I just feel his invitation to draw near to hope and partner the hope with the vision and to just get back into the offence again and to lean forward into this new year and go, I'm choosing to hope again. (laughs) I'm going to get back up and I'm going to maybe fast or pray as I enter the year and I'm going to develop a vision for my family, for myself, for this church, for the teams that I'm on. I'm going to get alongside whoever's overseeing a team I'm on and I'm going to go, how can I pray into this vision? How can I brainstorm with you? If they haven't suggested a time, give them one yourself. Can I come over one Saturday and brainstorm where we're going? It's exciting. The Lord is on the throne. He's doing a great thing. He is on to it with this region. And the invitation is for us to draw near to Peel and for us to draw near to Rockingham, to Baldivis, to the women that are going to be living here, to the homeless. The invitation is to draw near. But that looks like some dying. And that looks like some cost. And it looks like getting into the Word and drinking and eating because we've got to become strong enough to do the things that are too big for us. And I just feel he understands the heartache that the end of the year can be, but he's already in the new year and it's good. And there's a whole bunch of breakthroughs just around the corner. And there's lives that we don't even know yet and they've got bigger stuff going on and we get to be involved and it's really exciting and it's beautiful but he's just calling us out of the defense slump. And he's just, come, come, let's just get up again and let's go again. Will you be all in? Will you get up? Will you have a vision? Will you fast negativity? Will we bring the pain to him of the not yet season? Will we endure again and let him do the glorification that he does in the delays? Okay, I just feel that challenge, even though he understands what's hard. It's going to be a good year and we get to do it together. We get to draw near. Let's not give up the habit of getting together. Cost yourself. Bring your friends. There's goodness ahead of us. And he's still going to bring the breakthrough because he says he will not alter the promises that he has given. So we still get to walk over the line and be in the end zone. Truly. Can we pray? All right. Maybe let's just stand together. After I've prayed, we're going to close. We've got a fun little dinner of pretty much everything left in the freezer from the year. (laughs) There'll be like 20 pies, 20 sausage rolls, 20 pizza pieces, a bit of this and a bit of that. It's the fun end of year food frenzy. And we'll have that out in the foyer. And maybe we can move out to the foyer kind of quite soon after I've finished. If any of you want some prayer into anything that did come up, um, we're gonna pray corporately together now. But if any of you want some individual prayer to just get over the line or maybe you need a prophetic word again or something has twigged in you about where you wanna be at, maybe where you don't want to be at. 
is what the Lord's speaking to you about, then just know that a few of us will stay behind here. I'll just have a couple of core team that'll stay behind and and the rest of us can go and um, just have some refreshments together. But let's just pray corporately. Lord, I thank you that you've been hovering over this family. I've felt the brewing, Lord. I've felt your heart towards the people that are in the gap. And for some people, there's a big gap between the ideal and reality. Lord, and we just bring our brothers and sisters forward in Christ to the foot of the cross, or we bring ourselves forward and we acknowledge. We acknowledge uh, what's hard or what's not shifted or what's especially painful over the spotlight of the festive season. And we just bring it to the foot of the cross. And we choose to draw near to you. We choose to draw near to the cross. Lord, would you move us out of the the inertia? Lord, would you move us out of the stagnant stop into the freshness of your company again, Lord, even though we have some grief or anger or questions? Will you help us this next week to just move back into connection with you over the season? Will we enter back into the fresh, Lord, where we don't have to be ashamed of the pain in our hearts? Thank you that we don't have to be ashamed of what's disconnected and broken across a festive season. And you modelled that when you chose to be born in a stable where there were no extended family, where the only people that celebrated you were strangers, where you understand that. (laughs) And will you just help us to tuck each other in, Lord, as strangers or to look out for the strangers in our community or in our region or our street and just know that them being tucked in is kind of how the Christmas story works that we don't have to put the ideal on the, on the family, on the extended family. We get to be just the awkward shepherds and angels and, and wise men and, and no family because I don't know, it's kind of about you and the, hum, the humility of you. And we just come and we gather around the cross, we gather around the manger and we just thank you that you showed us a way. You showed us a way of how to live out and away from ideals and focusing on ideals. And you paved the way of living a life of cost instead of ideals. And through you, Lord, you identify with us in our sufferings. Through you and because of you, we can live a life of cost. We can be laid down lovers. We can choose to carry our cross daily and make our lives about worshipping you and loving others and going after our region and going after our workplaces and going after the hardest of hearts because you showed us the way and that's the Christmas story. You came and you opened the way. So Lord, would you help us as we enter this next year to get out of that sleepy funk of comfortability and to, to instead focus our energies, our prayer, our, our finances, everything around the cost of the Kingdom. For going after the lost that, that, that don't know that there's a life of eternity with you. Would you help us to become other-centred, Lord, even in our own pain and even in our lack of breakthrough? I ask for freshness and intimacy with you. I ask for freshness in the Word, Lord, in worship. I ask for freshness in the Bible for everyone here this next year, Father. We need the meat. 
You wired it that way, Lord. And I'm asking for freshness. I'm asking that as we choose to eat out of discipline, Lord, that You would crack it open. And Lord, that we would become hungry as we choose to eat, that the life would just be flowing in, Lord, that we would strengthen, that we would stand, that we would all stand, Lord, and we would put our shoulder to the plough together. Would You help us to not forsake meeting together? Would You help us to move forward as a tribe, Father, for this region, this next year? Would You give us a vision for 2022? Would You give us a vision for our families? Would You give us a vision for those who don't know You yet? Would You give us a vision for our street where we don't have one? Our neighbours who we don't know because we pressed the, the, the button on the garage before our cars turned off. Would You give us a vision and a heart for the things that Your vision and heart are for? Would You help our vision match the vision of heaven? Would You lift us up and higher and out, Father, and wake us up and help us to lean forward into this next year, which could be our very year of personal breakthroughs as well as the regional impact. But help us to become a people that can say, and if not, God is still good. We just bless Your Name, Lord. Help us to leave this gathering feeling so loved up by You, challenged in a good way, but loved up, but uncomfortable. May we have the gift of being uncomfortable, Lord, in our walk with You, just as You modelled. Keep us on that straight and narrow, not the wide, not the easy. Help us to choose the narrow every day, Lord, and cost ourselves for the Kingdom. You're worth it. You're worth it all. We bless You. We bless Your Name, Lord. Help us to be open-eyed even in this next half hour of people who need a conversation or to be tucked in or new faces. Help us be uncomfortable and stretch our hearts towards those that need it most. Help us to be other-centred, Lord. It's, it's so hard sometimes. Burn our flesh, Lord. Just keep burning up our flesh this holiday, Lord. Help us think of others. And would You continue to change and transform us, Lord, as You take us into the more. We bless 2022. We, we, we profess and prophesy over it that it's a blessed year. We expect it to be an amazing year of transformation in this area, Father. We expect the breakthroughs in our families and our finances. We expect the jobs, the incomes and, and reconnection and forgiveness and um, kids coming back to You. And we expect all of it this next year. And we lean forward into the year with renewed expectation because You are that powerful and Your mighty right arm is not too short. And when we ask for help, You send help from Zion because that is who You are. Help us to lean forward and choose 2022. May all of us, body, soul, spirit, will and emotions be facing forward as we cross the date line. Choosing wholeheartedly to face life this next year. I ask for the gift of hope, Lord, from Your hand for everyone here, that we don't even have to summon it up in our own flesh and strength. I'm asking for a deposit of hope, especially for those of us who need fresh hope to be able to do another year. I'm asking even in our sleep that You would inject us with the gift of hope in Jesus' Name. I'm asking for hope and for courage, for courage to draw each other into where we're at, for courage to choose the church and to choose the bride and to choose the kingdom and to choose this region. Would You fill us with the courage and the hope, the message of Christmas. In Jesus' Name. Amen.